Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. And just a reminder, our home base is wedontdie.com, where you can always find our free Sunday gathering with a medium demonstration. Join one of our classes or demonstrations, or if you're a fan of my work and the podcast, you can join my new Patreon club for any donation large or small, you get to be part of our community and you get all future episodes early. So you're an early bird. Also, they are commercial free and you get a clickable list of absolutely everything that I've recorded on the afterlife. So it's a pretty good thing. All found at wedontdie.com. If you're listening and you'd rather be watching, you can head over to YouTube, type in We Don't Die number 409 and you can find our interview for today. Our guest is Bridget Jackson Buckley, who is an author, blogger, memoirist, and interviewer. She earned a psychology degree from the University of California, Berkeley, and is the owner of Little Visioneers, an online independent bookstore dedicated to books by women. Bridget was the lead writer to launch Oprah Winfrey Network's Super Soul Sunday website, quickly became known for her in-depth articles on leading New Thought luminaries. She's the author of the book, The Gift of Crisis, How I Used Meditation to Go from Financial Failure to a Life of Purpose, and so much more. You can find out about her at her her website, bjbuckley.com, and check out her bookstore at littlevisioneers.com. Bridget, I'm so excited, so I get my words tangled up, but welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and to talk with you today. Yes, I do feel that we are kindred spirits. Most of your book, and I'm thinking we think alike, we feel the same things. We're definitely empowering people with similar but different messages, but certainly there is a foundation of truth that runs through through us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why don't you tell us your story? You're brand new to us. How does a a girl grow up, become author and do what you've done? I know that's a big question for, uh, you know, wrap up your life in a few moments. (laughs) Just tell us about you, if you would. Okay. Gosh. Okay. Well, I guess I'll start with the writing aspect. So I've always been someone that has kept journals and, you know, like in high school, like I was on the journalism team and, you know, like took journalism classes and did internships and like that. But when it was time to go to college, I strayed away from that for a more, I don't know, traditional approach to life and career. And I started college with the intention of going into medicine. But really, I always liked um writing and something creative, but I just kind of like pushed it away. So, you know, I lived my life, went to college, did a little traveling here and there, came out of college, um, got married. I'm fast forwarding big time, got married, you know, and my husband and I moved into my childhood home that I lived in with my mother and my grandmother when I was younger. And he, my husband works in home improvements. So he renovated the house from like the studs up like there were just wood studs like he everything in the house was new the drywall the flooring 
the wiring, the plumbing, everything was new. And at that time, we had two small children, um, my son and my daughter, and everything was just moving forward, you know, in a positive, beautiful way. Everything felt beautiful. Everything felt positive and happy. And we finally moved into the house in September, right after our um, Labor Day wedding. We had been together for a while, but we got married um, a little later. And then a few months after we moved into the house, he almost suffered a stroke. He was 33 years old. Um, He had unchecked, untreated hypertension. And so that pretty much stopped every wheel that was turning forward. Like everything just pretty much stopped at that point because he was our primary um, source of income because I was home with uh, my daughter. So that pretty much sent us into like a major downward spiral. You know, like we were financially destitute, like we went through our savings, you know, we, we were like afraid, you know, taking anger out on each other, blaming each other while he's dealing with his health. And I'm trying to figure out what to do. It was just a really, really hard time. So it was during that time, you know, like we went through this for a couple of years, but during that time, my mother stopped by our house one afternoon after attending the church service and she brought me a book. She brought actually brought two books. And one of those books was The Power of Intention by Dr. Wayne Dyer. And so that really was um, the opening to like the law of attraction and thoughts create reality and meditation and all that. I mean, of course, I knew about meditation, but I wasn't practicing it consistently. I was an avid reader. You know, I would read. And at that time when the crisis hit, we didn't have any financial resources to put towards there because I would have been on someone's couch in a second, you know, but what I had at my disposal was my love for reading. So I would just read all of these books and the thread, the common thread in the books was to meditate, to turn within, you know, to ask guidance. So that's what I ended up doing. That's when I stepped onto a spiritual path before I even knew there was a spiritual path. And what happened? What's <laughs> next? Because obviously, not obviously, but you've done so much since then. Yeah. <laughs> but what yeah. was the turning point? So what I ended up doing once I stepped onto the path is that I started my meditation practice and I would go within and I would ask. I had periods of sitting quietly, you know, in a traditional meditative sense but I also started to ask for guidance because I was just like, help, I need help. Like I didn't know what to do. And I started to notice that guidance would come through. And it was always a very soft, subtle, loving, encouraging voice that spoke in a way that the words would come through in a way that I don't put words together. Simply put, I don't talk like this. It was always toward the left side of my head that I would feel this energy just coming in. So I started to write it down. So I would literally just be sitting in my bed in the dark with my eyes closed, like scribbling out what would come through. And then afterwards or the next morning, I would rewrite it out. So that became my practice. And at that time, I did that consistently, I think for about a year. And I wasn't thinking, oh, this is my book. 
I wasn't, I wasn't thinking of any of that. I was just doing it for guidance. It wasn't until maybe like four or five years later, you know, when I was really starting to honor the call within to pay attention to that inner nudge to write and stop trying to suppress it because I had bills to worry about and problems and crises to solve. But that, that inner nudge to, to express myself, to express what I was learning in a written way, it was always there, but I was ignoring it. So a few years after I had started the meditation practice, when I started to really pay attention to that, I was doing an interview with someone and I asked her how she could possibly write such an extensive book. And she said that she channeled it and that just kind of jarred like, wait a minute. I think I have something. And so I pulled out my notebooks and I started to reread the guidance and everything was validated that had come through because, you know, we questioned so much like, am I making this up? Like, what is this? Everything was validated. And I thought this would be so helpful because it wasn't just helpful for me. It it would be helpful for anyone who read this type of information. So this is essentially what I write about in the book, the process that Clearly, this book wanted to come through. I was connected to a higher guidance and every step just synchronistically happened in a way that I ended up writing The Gift of Crisis about the crisis that I went through and the the transformative journey that I went through as a result of, you know, having these difficult times. So now I'm fast forwarding a bit more. So I continued writing. And I continue going deeper into my spiritual practice. Like my spiritual practice has been pivotal, like really, really like at the forefront of my heart for years, for years. And it has just deepened. So I have continued my meditation practice literally this morning. I sat at my desk and had my message come through and I hand wrote it in my notebook. So I have just been expanding and expanding on that. And I also started to study A Course in Miracles. And the reason why I bring that up is because everything that I have been doing since then has contributed to consciousness expansion. And as you have a consciousness, an expansion of your consciousness, you're going to have more direct experiences, experiences with the presence. You know, you're going to have your own experiences of the non-physical, you know, the multidimensional aspect of yourself opens up. So you start to experience things that you didn't necessarily plan or expect and a new path opens up for you. So you ask like, where am I now? What happened? So I'm now being guided and led to, yes, continue writing, to continue um, putting forth channel material, but I'm also moving into energy work, energy healing work, and just dealing with the other aspects of myself that are starting to (laughs) come forward at this time. (laughs) Can I ask you how your husband's doing his health? Oh, thank you. He's doing just fine. He's doing just fine. I mean, because like I said, he had high blood pressure. He does still have that, but it's managed. So he's fine. We're not dealing with any health crises with him now. Like it did take some time for him to come back and to be able to work steadily, you know, without dizziness. And, you know, it, it, it was a road to come back from almost having a stroke at 33, but he's fine. He's at work right now. <laughs> Good. In the midst of the crisis, it's great to think of meditation. I know 
that it's very hard to quiet my mind if there's a lot going on. Could you just talk a little bit about getting into meditation? Did you just concentrate on your breathing? Did, how would somebody start? I, I, there's so much I want to ask you because, of course, I want to ask. Okay, I, I tend to say, like, if you, because so many people say that, you know, I can't do it or it's hard. Right. Yeah, it was difficult. When I first started meditating, I'd sit down quietly and my mind would go to, I want to win the Super Lotto. Uh, I got to go to Costco, you know, like that stuff was like everywhere. But if you baby steps is the short answer to your question, baby steps. So if you're not a meditator or if it has been difficult to you, you know, go, go easy on yourself. Be compassionate. Don't expect to just sit down and be able to have 45 minutes of silence. Like I started this, the, the situation with my husband started, the crisis started in 2005. So I've been meditating, I want to say like since 2006, seven, you know, and it, it took those, okay, I can sit for five minutes without feeling like I'm going to jump off the bed, you know, or I have to jump off the bed and just, I just kept doing it. That really is it. That's why it's called a practice because you have to practice it. So just start if you can sit, if you can just sit on the couch, the chair, your meditation cushion, whatever you can do for five minutes, then just do that. You know, that could be your the way you start for the first week. And then maybe the second week. OK, I'm really going to focus on my breathing. Just breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. You know, that could be five minutes. Then perhaps the third week. OK, I'm going to focus on silence and just coming back, coming back coming back. And it really is that I know when I explain it, it sounds very simple, but it's the consistent practice of it. It's the consistent practice of it. And what you start to notice is that the gaps and silence start to widen, you know, because you're, there is a lot in your mind. There is a lot. Let me just say this, like we so beat ourselves up because we can't just do something very quickly, but think about it, Sandra, like we have gone to school. We have been raised by people. We have friends, you know, we have coworkers, we have TV, movies. There is a lot that is in the subconscious. It is a massive repository of conditioned beliefs, fears, unhealed traumas, wants and desires. I mean, what we see on the surface, like the conscious, what you know, like you and I were sitting here right now, surface level. This is such a small portion of who we are. You know, so when you go into meditation, things are going to start to come up. Oh, maybe this is useful. Maybe this is the time for this to rear its head. So really, you don't want to look at it like, I can't do it. This is terrible. But you can become more inquisitive, like, wow, look what is in the basement. Look at what is there. Look at how many thoughts of financial fear are coming up. Look at how many thoughts of, uh, you know, emotional insecurity are coming up. Like you really get to see what has been the driver of your decisions because it's in, it's what's in the subconscious that is driving your decisions because they are your they're your unprocessed beliefs. So meditation not only helps you to 
quiet your mind when you can do it and have gaps of silence, but you start to see what's underneath and what has been the driving factor of your decisions in your life and why you find yourself where you are. So you've been actively meditating now, it sounds like 15, 16 years, a while. Yeah, yeah, I'm inching up to, yeah, I'm getting close to 20. So like I can sit now, I mean, my meditation practice is actually pretty fun because I love it so much. So I just kind of play around with it. So I'll sit, I have periods where I sit quietly and I'm able to hold it, you know, for a while and go pretty deep. And now I have a practice of like summoning in love and hold, excuse me, holding that, that feeling of love for a sustained period of time. And then bringing in that energy from source and even transmitting it out through my hands. So I'm just practicing other things. I have periods during meditation when I connect with my guides and teachers. I do that daily. You know, I practice telepathic messages. I'm doing a lot (laughs) in in meditation. Like I really picked up the ball and run with it, so to speak. (laughs) You know, when you think of people even starting an exercise or whatever, I mean, you're not going to have a killer body with big muscles or whatever it is you want, tone muscles overnight it is a journey it's a journey with yourself and i personally believe that being in the present moment meditating even if we're out in nature in that present moment that's access to everything that's access to our soul to divine wisdom to our loved ones guides the whole thing and the busy mind that's checking the text messages I can't access it because we're just way too busy and it's not making anybody wrong, but no matter what age you are, you can start this. And it's, it is a fun journey. And I know some of the best mediums that uh, call their type of meditation sitting in the power. And that is just this divine power. They say it's the single best thing that they can do to raise their, um, be a better medium. So, I mean, there's, there's gold in, in there, just gold. I just want to jump in right there. I can't even believe you brought that up because I have been practicing sitting in the power. And the reason why I, the reason why I will say this is, you know, like how I explained earlier, as you continue to go within, you know, and you have consciousness expansion, you're going to meet your multidimensional self, you know, because we've been so suppressed. If you want to liken it to a beach ball, in water, like holding the beach ball under the water. That's pretty much like how we have been as a society. We have these gifts, skills, talents, and multidimensional abilities that are ready to surface now because of all of the energies hitting the planet. And so one of the things that I have experienced is I have such a I'll just describe it as an active dream state. And that's putting it supremely mildly. (laughs) You know, I have a lot of um, experiences with people who have transitioned. You know, those as you. Yeah. So I have that. And so one of the practices that I have started to do is to just to do the sit and the power to just practice holding that space. It's not, they're not quite ready to come through on this side. The meetings are taking place in in the dream state, but intuitively 
I know it's coming. You know, so I've been just practicing, just sitting in my power and just holding a place of of love. And that sitting in the power is where I kind of changed it a little bit, where I would hold love. And I have experienced the most, um, not the most, but significant, I would say, expansion from that sitting in the power and holding love because you're, you know, you're recognizing your power as a spiritual being. Like we are spirit and physical form. And so when I sit to sit in the power, to call in love, to meditate, my, my intention is so purely intent on connecting with spirit and, and deepening my relationship with the divine. So I'm not really surprised that, um, that I see these other, that my channeling seems to be more enhanced and that the energy is coming through and I'm kind of all over the place because a lot is happening, you know, and my dreams are very vivid, but this is all what I want to express to your audience is that this happens as a result of going within and meditation is a doorway. I mean, it it is a doorway, you know, for these experiences with the non-physical and to speak even more so to your audience to to be reminded that, no, we don't die, that the spirit simply leaves the body and transitions, but they're always with us. And you're able to go within and connect with those beings on the other side through meditation, or at least. Have you you experienced that connecting with people? I, I experience it consistently in my dream state. And consistently. This, uh, it's in my dream state and it's, it's, I'm calling it the dream state, you know, but right. in reality, that's actually the real. <laughs> and what we're living here is actually the dream. I experience it mainly in my dream state where, um, you know, little messages come through and then the theta state, the toilet state, right before you wake up, like you're not asleep, but you're not fully awake you know, that time too. So sometimes it's, it's, it's deeper in the night, but mostly it's right in the morning, like right before my consciousness starts to like taint the messages, you know, before I wake up. Are they clear visions? Are they that just as real as we're living life real? Yeah. 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 No hesitation there. (laughs) We're still clear. Like I know what happened. I know what was said. I know who that was. And and it's nothing that that I ever planned or anything that I ever expected or anything like that. But I think it just I just want to place an emphasis on really like cleaning up your consciousness, for lack of a better word, because the clearer and higher your consciousness is, then you start to have access because spirit can meet you. Like when I was in the midst of my crisis, I was so laden with fear. Like it was heavy, like all of us, my husband, my parents, that we were so entrenched in fear. Nothing could come through, you know, like there's always guidance available to you, whether it be from your spirit guides and teachers or a loved one that has transitions, but it can't reach you because, because you're in the lower density of fear. And as you start to hold more love, as you place your attention on love, as you practice giving and receiving love, then your access points where spirit can access you, it's easier. It's more available. You can recognize it. You feel spirit 
speaking through you. You you feel it trying to connect with you, but it's all about the consciousness. I spoke with uh, Teresa Chung not too long ago, who's a dream expert. She's got lots of books out mm-hmm. on dreams. And we we're talking about um, dreams of the afterlife and normal dreams are, she's like, there's no beginning. There's no end. We're just somewhere. Whereas real dream visitations with our loved ones, they're clear. You can feel the love. Oh yeah. All that, that good stuff. And one of the things she had said was um, different than meditation, but she says, if you log your dreams, she says that can help you in a conscious state, work out some of that stuff that's in your subconscious. Totally. And, and also <laughs> do the meditation because it's kind of like a bilge pump. You know, it's got to pump out all kinds of things that, you know, depending on how old you are and what your experiences are, they're all in there. Um, but I just see this as it's a beautiful access way for people to connect with their loved ones because that's what everybody wants. People that are listening or watching this show anyways, most of them, Bridget, are, have a, um, a passing of a loved one. They want to know they're alive. They're questioning, or, am I losing my mind? Am I crazy to believe in this? Uh, they want to believe. And of course, you know, the older we get, we question our mortality and all that. So it takes something though, right? Because it's, boy, I tell you, I, if I could just buy the magic pill that gives me the formula to experience what you're going on 20 years <laughs> doing, Boy, I'd like the easy way out, but there's not. It, it is taking that journey. Well, that's what that's why we're here for the journey, you know, the growth in the journey, you know, and to share our experiences so that we can help each other along the way home, you know, back to love. But I would also say you have to trust what comes through. And and but let me just also follow that up by saying like. I didn't just come trusting (laughs) like I did have a point. You know, I probably sound like, oh, yeah. But I had a point where I was like, what is this? What is happening? You know, am I like, what is happening here? But my my spiritual practice, my meditation, sitting down, connecting with spirit, doing my A Course in Miracles lessons, it's daily. So I have no doubt that I am wholly connected to spirit. I know that I am a child of spirit. There's no doubt in my mind. And so I just continue to have this validation. And so you, so as you practice it and as you strengthen your, your connection and knowing in spirit, you start to trust what's coming through. It may take a little time, but you have to get to that point. However you get to that point, because like I said, I didn't sit. I mean, like the first time my grandmother came through, I was, it, it was probably, it was, it was a couple of years ago. It was a couple of years ago. And I was afraid. Like, I remember there was another family member in our family that had transitioned. And I was speaking on the telephone to my aunt and I told her, gosh, I wish I could just know that they were okay. That night, my grandmother appeared to me in my in my dream and there was there was just this knowing there's not there's not always talking sometimes there's just knowing so there was just this knowing that in the dream if i if i really wanted to see her just open my eyes but i was too afraid 
I was too afraid. So I closed my eyes and like, she just disappeared. The coolness around her, it all, it all just disappeared. Okay. So clearly there was some propensity in my energy field to have these type of interactions and everything that I have been doing has just been opening that up and clearing the way for it. So lately when she's come through and because I've worked through a lot of the fear, I don't have this fear that, well, actually I worked through a lot of the fear in the dream state. I've had experiences in my dreams where I'm dealing with fears So I've been working through fears in my present life, like right here, you and I, and also in the dream state. And it's been a consistent, slow, but gradual progression. So then when my grandmother came through very clearly full body, not just an image of her face, I was able to hug her. You know, I was able to hug her. And because I've had it so consistently, I'm now able to recognize, oh, this is a this is a visitor. This is a spirit communication because they do specific things. You know, the eye contact is very, very strong. It's almost penetrating. And there is a lot of knowing. There's a lot of. um, I want to say telepathy, but I, I mean, you just know things. You know, and then there's other parts of your dream where, you know, it's a like a venting dream. It's a release dream. But the characteristics when it's a visitation, you get to a point when you can discern those and you need to trust them. And then as you pay more attention to what happens in your dream state, you're sending a message to the universe and to your guides and teachers, your higher self. Oh, I want more information to come through this way because I'm paying attention. So that's what has happened. I write down my dreams constantly. I'm still journaling and I can read back and look at them and say, oh, that's what that was about. Oh, that's that's what that was for. I was going through this at that time. That's why that message came through. It can be pivotal what comes through. I highly recommend writing down your dreams. And journaling other yeah. stuff as well. Because <laughs> I do all. I'm not playing around. (laughs) Oh, I'm glad. And I love hearing you tell your story because you questioned all this. Yeah. There's people out there that some of this stuff seems too good to be true, but the fact that you went through the crisis and I think, you know, that crisis can be a good jumpstart to get you on your spiritual path. I do. I think Mm -hmm. grief has that power, but I love that you're just down to earth and you're sharing your story and it just Mm -hmm. seems there's a world available, but you have a commitment, whether it's doing the Course in Miracles, doing your daily meditation. It sounds like, you know, if you miss a couple of days, you're not going to let that slide. You're going to be like, you know, this is important to me. Yes, that's the key. It's very, very important to me. Um, yeah, it's very important because I've, I've, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with the statement by their fruit their fruits, ye shall know them and they shall know themselves. Like you can look at the fruits of a practice. And my life has just, I mean, so much has healed in my life. I've had miracles. I've experienced grace. And it's like, I've met wonderful people. I mean, I'm not saying that my life is all cookies and creams, you know, that I don't have challenges because we do have challenges because we're here to clear things out. But I know that we're not alone. I know it. 
I don't have any doubt. I don't, oh, poor me. And I know that I'm not a victim. I know that I'm creating my reality and that the crises, whether it be the crisis that we experienced back in 2005 or something that comes up now that makes me feel so uncomfortable. I'm like, how the hell is this going to work out? I know that everything is there to show me something about myself, to teach me something. And that's, that's the trick. Can you learn the lesson from whatever it is that shows up in front of you from the crisis? Because the crisis is simply bringing what is hidden to the surface. You're doing something in an unconscious way, you know, so it's, it's trying to get your attention, but in the midst of all the discomfort and chaos and craziness that we see out in the physical world, it really is a call for us to look inward and to examine what are we contributing? What are we doing? Where are we unconscious? Where are we um, using our energy to create um, so many situations that are void of peace and love? You've left me speechless. There was something I was thinking that I'm going to ask. I feel like I'm just like going on. I feel like I'm saying a lot today. <laughs> yeah, it's good though. It's really good. We're all hanging on your words. Talk a little bit about being of service. I'll throw that your way. Making a difference. Well, how's that fit into the? I mean, it's plan? it's it's up there. It's like I want to say like the top two, top three, because you don't embark on a a spiritual practice to get anything. It's about releasing, letting go and surrendering, you know, and, and recognizing that you're not in control of anything or anyone. What you're in control of is how you respond to situations. And I'm not saying that I have mastered it, but I'm able to recognize the difference between a reaction and a response, a reaction when I'm triggered and I feel like I'm going to lose my mind. And a response when, okay, how can I bring love to this? What's the most loving thing that I can do? So I had to get to that place, you know, of responding instead of reacting. It's been a lot of work, um, but it has been so worth it. So the, the answer to your question about being of service, I feel like we're all in service to each other because we're all aspects of each other. We're all mirrors of each other. We're all showing each other something. And I think it's in the um, the realis- realization that you're not here to get something. You're here to share who you are, you know, to, to be authentic, to be sincere in your plight, whatever it is, to be authentic and let the the vision and the gifts that want to come through you emerge. Like, don't limit yourself with well, I can't do this because my husband won't like it. I can't do this because I don't have enough money to do it. I can't go there that I really want to. These are things that I'm dealing with, you know, and just coming out of the box. And I said all that to say is that is a way of being of service because you're honoring yourself. You're honoring the presence that's trying to, that wants to flow through you as a conduit. And by you being an example of how to live authentically from your heart in whatever way that is, that is being of service. Because there's a lot of people who really want to do these things, but they're afraid. 
you know, or they don't, they don't know how, or they, um, the, the programming, the conditioning is just so heavy that it's difficult to make the first step. So I think it's important to have conversations like the one that we're having to normalize. Oh yeah. I've seen a few people who've transitioned in my dreams, you know, or yes, we had, um, a major crisis a couple of years ago, but the crisis did not define our entire life. You know, we used it as a springboard to, you know, for expansion, but service is, I mean, it's, it's like, it's, it's just, I think one of the most important expressions because it demonstrates your willingness to let the divine work through you. And if we would just, get out of the way, you know, and not try to control it and say, yeah, I want to be of service to the presence, but I don't want to go there. I don't want to do that work. Like you still think, you know, <laughs> like you need, you want to try to manage it. You want to try to dictate it. But, but when you're truly in touch with, um, with the divine, you know that you can relax and that you can surrender and the divine will for your life is in alignment with your interests and your highest gifts and your highest talents that want to emerge. So that's where I come to being of service from that. I express myself authentically in the way that um, the presence moves through me and what, and I'll say, Sandra, I have found that, experiences and situations and collaborations have come into my life that I never would have chosen because I would have been like, Oh, I don't know about that. I don't know about them. (laughs) You know, like what is, you know, and I'm not saying throw all discernment out. You have discernment, but a willingness to step outside of the small box that we place ourselves in. How did it come to pass where you worked on Oprah's website and you got all these great, uh, writings you did with all these luminaries where did, where in the journey because I was I didn't go into depth explaining all that but you've worked with some people written about some people yeah that was so I, I I write about that whole process in the gift of crisis that was actually kind of fun because I it was you know there was just this inner nudge that's how spirit speaks to me I'm very clear on how spirit speaks to me it's like a it's an impulse that never goes away until I act on it you know, it's just this, uh, you know, and when I act on it, it gets quiet. So that's what writing was, you know, and I really like talking about spiritual topics. I really like sharing what has been helpful to me because, you know, I've gone through some stuff. So I love, I love to share, you know, what's been helpful. It's not the only way, but this is the way that I've done it. So when I was doing writing, um, one day I was, sitting at the computer at work when I worked in accounting at the spiritual center. And I was on Facebook instead of doing whatever I was supposed to be doing. And one of my coworkers posted about Oprah's Super Soul Sunday. I don't know if you remember when she did the Super Soul Sunday. And I was like, what the hell is that? I looked at that post and then, you know, like I clicked on the website and looked at it. And in an instant, I mean, in an instant, there was no question. There was 100% clarity. I said, I'm going to that event. And so, I, I mean, because you know how we'll be, we'll be like, oh, but I want to go. And it's it's weak and flimsy, 
But that's not what the energy was. The energy was clear. I made a declaration to the universe. I'm going to that. And so I, I didn't know how, but I just looked up the communicate, like the, the, the public relations or communications directors at that time. I don't know what guided me to do that, but I did it. I just looked them up and then I just sent an email to one of them and say, Hey, here, I write about spiritual topics. And if you let me attend your event, then I'll write this many articles on this many topics in this time frame. And within 10 minutes, one of the communications directors responded and she was like, we'd love to have you. And I was like, what the hell just happened? Like, so, so that's how I ended up doing my first Super Soul Sunday event. And I, I walked into that, I guess they would call it a green room. It was the back room where the speakers are. Iyanla Van Zant was there, Elizabeth Gilbert. Who else was speaking? I can't remember who else was speaking, but but we went to the back to interview them. I thought I was going to have a nervous breakdown. I could not hold the pen. My hand was trembling. I had to. T- I was standing back there. I sent my mother a text like, "I can't hold the pen. I'm too nervous." And that, like while I sent her the text, Iyanla walked in, and the communications director was like, "Bridget, you're up." And the second she said that, my mother's text came through, "Be strong." So I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like so, that's how how I ended up. Uh, doing that. And then after that, I started writing the articles on, on, uh, you know, their behalf to announce events. And they just liked, they liked the way I presented their work. They really liked it. So I ended up just doing more. Well, you're real. And that's really (laughs) refreshing. The world's got other people doing other things. And I think so many times, you know, it's easy to fall into a trap that we're not good enough and et cetera and so forth. But the but people just want real and everybody listening or watching, you are a hundred percent perfect, just the way you are. Let your light shine. You know, the world's got plenty of other people, but it's but, in that, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. And let me just say, because you said um I, you you just mentioned something about fear. That well, that's why my hands were trembling, because I was so afraid and I was I, you know, I was kind of like Iyanla Bridget, you know. Elizabeth Bridget. And so I was, there was this like, should I be here? Like, you know, did they make a mistake and they don't know it yet? Like all kinds of craziness was going through my mind. So fast forward the next year when they had the next event, while they had a, they had another really nice lineup. It's been a while. I can't remember, but there were like 10 speed, like Eckhart Tolle was in the back, you know, Eckhart Tolle was there and like, uh, Reverend John Gray, like there were like some powerhouses back there. And that next event, I took my mother, she was standing in the corner, but I brought that story up to say that next time I went in, I had no trembling hands. I wasn't scared. You know, I sat there and I was in the mindset of like, I'm supposed to be here. I'm, it's like Bridget and Eckhart Tolle. The only difference is that more people know Eckhart Tolle, you know, but we all sleep the same, you know, we're all the same. So I, so I told that story to, um, to say that it was the change in mindset, you know, like I was worthy of that experience. There was nothing to fear. I wasn't beneath them in any way. Like if you're having an experience, it's yours to have, and you get to choose how you want to have it. Do you want to be so 
afraid that you actually sabotage yourself? Or do you want to like stand in in your power? And when I say power, I don't mean power, but I mean, I'm happy to be here. This is cool, you know. So Can we all borrow your mom and her words be <laughs> strong? Oh, that woman has supported me. Oh my gosh. She's, she's been great. <laughs> yeah, we'll have a toast to our moms later. <laughs> Tell us more about the book. Okay. So, the gift, so the gift of crisis kind of matches my shirt. Hold you know, one more time. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. So it has some nice, um, so I walk you through exactly how I did meditation, how I started it. So you see how I do it, you know, for people who say, well, I don't have time. I'm writing like, oh, I came home and no one was home. So I dropped everything and I went into meditation. I'm showing you how I fit it into a schedule when I was looking for work, dealing with younger kids. And then when I finally found work, I go through all of that. And I, I, interpose the the guidance that came through during my meditation state to you know it's so helpful it's so encouraging and it's so supportive and it's timeless the guidance that came through is timeless and I also have a nice soul call that people seem to really like in the back where you it's I do it in meditation where you see the light coming through you and it's going up and it comes out like a lighthouse beacon and you're calling souls to you of like mind and like heart that want to collaborate on projects and um, bring things forth into the world that are heart-based and loving and beneficial so that situations are created that are true win-wins for everybody that people really like that soul call. So I would say it's a good read. (laughs) Well, and it gets deeper into your story. And there's so many nuggets of wisdom that are in it. Oh, there's just so many. And like you said, they're timeless. I mean, I, I've done my own bit of uh, inspired writing. I'll call it that. And I know there's words that I would never use (laughs) in my language there's been poetry that I don't know how to write poetry and so many other things. And it, it is so inspired that I, I just know the soul resonates with it. I mean, it just, it touches a place in our soul that you just go, you know, that's the truth. You know, yes. it feels like the I truth. That. I love that. I'm like, you're, you know, when truth is spoken, you feel it. You feel it. You know, whenever I'm talking to someone, I'm feeling into my body. You know, just what am I feeling with the words, with the energy behind the the spoken and unspoken words? Whenever I'm reading, when you read something, you are going into the consciousness of that person who wrote it. And when I wrote the book, my intention, I mean, yeah, you want to sell books, but my intention was for this book to truly touch your heart in whatever way it needs to touch so that you get whatever you need to get at the time that you need to get it. To me, it feels like a little bit of a handbook for living because Mm. just flipping through the pages, there's something, you know, even, you know, the things keep presenting them to your, to things will keep showing up in your life until you deal with them. How many of us know that, you know, and can feel that and Mm. being responsible and not, 
being in the victim mentality. You know, there's so much. There's it's <laughs> it's filled with gems, ladies and gentlemen who are listening or watching right now. It truly is filled with gems and I know your voice is in there and I also know it's the voice of your soul, your guides, whomever working yeah. with you because it's it really packs a punch in a good way. It's like a wake up call. Um, and I asked you that about being of service because I think each one of us, when we get to a point when we we get to know what our own truths are, you know, I mean, and nobody can push anything on anybody, but, you know, take a little bit of my advice, a little bit of Bridget's advice, whoever, you know, whatever suits your soul, go with it. But there comes like this tipping point where, what are you going to do with it? And the best thing is just be you and share. You don't have to write a book. You don't have to have a podcast, but you never know who you're sitting with. And when you're just present and in their world and really listening, it's that opportunity to be of service and just share. And I get that about you. You listen to your own soul who or whoever's working with you. But like right now, you're really listening to me. And with that, you just know what to say. Yeah, I was listening to you, Sandra. And I was thinking, I really like what she's saying. And I really like the way she's saying it because I felt love in your words. And that is so true. Take what resonates with you and leave the rest. Your soul knows what is for you, you know, and you do not have to express what needs to come through you in a particular way. You really just need to, to do what you're called to do. And, and we're all not going to do the same things. If everybody was, was the same, somebody wouldn't be needed. We're all here to express something different. And I don't know, I just think it's important now to, to be authentic, to, you know, to try to engage in sacred listening as often as you can, because a lot of people don't feel heard, you know, or listened to. And it's like, I don't know, I want to know. I want to know, like, I'm not just here to, yes, I'm here to share my story and what I've learned, but I want to hear from you too, because there's something to learn from everybody. Everybody's experience is valid, no matter how different. So I love everything that you said, and I completely agree with it. Yeah, I think the best gift we can be is really listening to someone and really looking at life through their eyes if we can. You know, mm -hmm. so many people don't feel understood. They don't feel heard. And it's a lonely way to live life. Now, with that, can we talk about your bookstore? Because you have a beautiful site with for some be beautiful voices to be heard. How did that start? Oh, yeah. That was during the shelter in place, during the lockdown, when I... I was sitting at my desk and I was like, I am always writing and telling people about books. You know, like I love books. Like I always, I'm probably rotating like five books right now. I'm just ridiculous with my reading. Like I have stopped myself from trying to stop buying books. But anyway, so I was like, I'm always telling people about books. So why don't I open a bookstore? So I tried to do a physical one, you know, but it just was not happening because everything was shut down. And even when there was like a little inkling of an opening, there was still a lot of resistance. So then it came through, oh, do the online store. And I was like, oh, this is perfect. But I, I love to 
just promote women. I've met some great women. You know, I've met great men too, but you have to have some kind of niche. And I just, I've, over the years, interviewing people, my own book coming out, I've met some great people that you just, you won't even know about because they don't have the marketing behemoths behind them. And so I thought, well, what a wonderful way to highlight just, you know, just the creativity that comes through people. And I really like to focus on, you know, stuff that's helpful. I like a good fiction read, but I try to stay away from, you know, violence and all that kind of stuff. Like years ago, I would read like violent material, but I don't anymore. I don't, I don't do that. So I just, I, I like, I would like for it to be like a, like a celebration of women's creativity and to have it be a repository of just information that can be inspiring, fun, collaborative, helpful, all right here. And you might find out about an author that you didn't even know you would like. So that, that it's, it's the idea is to walk through the door and hold it open so everybody can come with you, not just me by myself, you know? Yeah. So that's littlevisioneers.com. It's, li- it's Little Visioneers and it's called um, Little Visioneers because we all have little visions for ourselves, our lives, our communities, the world at large. And it's following the inspiration that these little visions can manifest into a big vision, a big life change that you never expected, but that you are delighted to experience. That's me in a nutshell. The last <laughs> thing I was ever going to do was talk about the afterlife because I didn't believe it. But like you said, that nudge, I got to a certain tipping point with enough information and I understood a lot about grief and that mm-hmm. name, we don't die, we don't die, kept popping in. And every person I met, it seemed, had just lost a loved one and mm-hmm. I just couldn't escape it. So there was the nudge. And to be honest, I thought, who... Who's going to want to hear from me? What do I know? Who's going to listen? And now, 10 years later with the book and over 550 different hours between all the podcasts out there, uh, people are listening. And that's not to toot my own horn, but to say whatever it is for each person listening, whatever your passion is. There's someone out there that needs to hear your story. And it could just Absolutely. be sitting at Starbucks. You know, it doesn't have to be on any big stage. Absolutely. But, you never know how what you're going to do isn't going to impact someone. You never know. Never. And I'm happy. The more I share, the more I get to investigate what I'm passionate about. It lights me up. I feel good. Yeah, so it's a win-win situation. And that's being of service because you're putting good energy out into the world. Like you're putting this loving or loving energy out into the world that affects people. Just when you walk down the street. Yeah. I smile at everybody. (laughs) Before we're done, first of all, you, are you working on another book? Just curious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you, you meant earlier that the, I'm like, mm -hmm. you said earlier that this, the gift of crisis is like a handbook. And I thought, wow, I guess spirit wants it to be mentioned. My second book is called the visionaries handbook. And it really is. (laughs) It really is a handbook for moving through life in a heart centered way. 
really letting the vision come through you. And I have to say, it is a channel text. It's never, it's not something that I thought I would ever do. I saw the book in a dream and I thought, oh, okay. But I thought years from now, I, I don't know, I was thinking maybe it's for someone else. You know, and then I had some experiences where someone, my stepfather, who didn't even read my first book, kept asking me about the book. Like, are you working on a new book? He just kept asking me. And I was like, what the hell? I think spirit is talking through him. So finally, I was like, oh, I think they want to channel a book. So (laughs) I just started sitting down every morning and typing up a channeled message. And I did that and the book is complete. I'm just waiting for the actual publication date, but it's called the Visionaries Handbook and you can sign up on my website for pre-order information and we'll, we'll see what happens when it comes out. Yay. That's so great. <laughs> and let me know, cause we'll definitely share it over here. Okay. And the last thing I want to ask you is the gift of crisis. Okay. There's some people going through some really awful, awful stuff right now. Can you just say a few words of maybe looking at it? Well, you might tick some people off by saying, oh, what a gift that is. (laughs) But just how we can reframe it, that there's an opportunity in it. Well, I wouldn't say it's a gift. It's, It's for you to determine when you're ready to say that it was a gift. It's for you. And that may take you a little time because when you're in it, it's hard to look at it from that perspective, you know, but I would say be with your heart that, I mean, I say that I write that when I sign books, be with your hearts, just really take a moment, sit down on the couch, sit down on a park bench, go outside, put your feet on the ground, ground yourself to the earth and just take a minute to just Go within and just be with your heart to connect with your internal guidance. The answers are there. The problem and the solution reside in the same space. Something is trying to be shown. Something is trying to be revealed. You know, when you have a question like what's going on, there's an answer that's trying to come forth. But you have to go within. You have to go into your heart to connect with that space. So however you can do that, for me, sometimes when I'm going through something difficult or if, if I feel overwhelmed, like I'm being pulled in 50 directions, I just stop, just get off the computer and I go into the backyard and just sit on the bench my husband built for me and just feel the trees and feel the breeze. Sometimes I do it for 30 minutes. Sometimes I need 15 minutes. I come back in, resume my tasks. If two hours later, I feel like I need to take a walk. I go take a walk, be compassionate with yourself, just be with yourself because you feel what you need. You don't have to keep trying to push through, you know, take the time that you need to just feel in this very moment. What is the next highest action that I am being called to take? Maybe the next highest action in the midst of the crisis is to just be quiet. Maybe the next highest action is to make a phone call. Maybe it's to pack your bags and go someplace. Only you know, but you have to go within to connect with that. Great words, great words. And I think too, out of my worst thing that's happened in my life, I'm here. You know, the death of my dad, my grandmother, other things happened and um, voila, 
you know, but I couldn't have said that in the moment. I'd want to kill somebody if they say, Oh, what a gift. But it is, it's for us to decide. Any last words for today? I think this is going to be uh, a beautiful friendship here that you got with us, Bridget, because <laughs> you're just amazing. Your words are just amazing. Um, but any last thoughts for today? Be open. You know, just be open. Just be open to the possibility that there's more than you know, that there's another way, that that there's some things to be seen in life and experienced that you don't know about. You know, try to approach life with a beginner's mind, with childlike wonder and curiosity. And it's like, I don't know, I just want to say, like, I promise beautiful landscapes will open because you're willing to explore them. You're willing to receive them. Nothing can come to you if you're tight and restricted. Just be open and try to connect with that wonder that at some point in your life, you felt it's not gone. It's just a little diminished, but you can rekindle it. Beautiful words. We are all that little kid at heart, <laughs> every dream possible. Yeah. And somewhere along the way, we get shut down, but we can open it up and it doesn't yeah. matter how old we are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Bridget, thank you so much for being our guest today. Thank you. Love it. Love it. And to our listener or our viewer, thank you so much for spending this time with Bridget and myself. As a reminder, all of our past episodes, you can find at wedontdie.com. You can also find the free Sunday gathering. We offer medium courses, free demonstrations. Oh, there's lots of stuff. If you go to the bottom of the page there, we don't die.com and you want to join my email list, you can do so. It says you get the first few chapters of my book, but here's the secret. It's the entire book. Chapter 10 is how to survive grief. One of the most important chapters, because I know a lot of people come into this conversation because you've got a loved one that has passed. I will promise and continue to promise that I'll give you everything I can so that you know your loved one is alive. They're still by your side. Of course, they continue to investigate the world unseen in the afterlife, but their love is so, so, so close. And they can show up in dreams. They can give little signs. Sometimes they're so close that they just put an image in your mind or a reminder of some shared time together. So please join us along at wedontdie.com. And you can find Bridget's book, The Gift of Crisis, How I Used Meditation to Go from Financial Failure to a Life of Purpose. You can find it wherever you get books or on her website, bjbuckley.com and littlevisioneers.com. So in closing, I'm Sandra Champlain. I'm so happy that I get to be your host on We Don't Die Radio. I do believe that life is an education for the soul and that your life here is important. I loved hearing Bridget's words about meditation. And I just feel if you go within, you'll never go without. There's a team and your divine soul and whatever you believe in is God, the universe, you are divinely guided and you are special. So I really want to thank you for listening or for watching and we'll see you again soon.